Hello, 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 and welcome back to yet another episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. As always, my name is Jake Adnip, here with the great Sean Dwyer. How you doing? You know what today is? It's a Sunday before the NFL draft, and it's a pretty big pretty big week for most football fans. Uh, some people get extremely hyped. Some people think it's too much hype. But uh, here I'm just saying, we know that the draft is what makes or breaks an NFL roster, especially over the next few years. You know, you see these teams who are at the top of the draft, and all they can hope for is that they're not even near that, that point in a couple of years. We've seen a couple of these teams perennially, or in the last few years at least, have some issues, uh, you know, with their teams. Uh, you know, just we'll talk about a couple of those real quick. We're going to talk about a few of the teams in the first round who really need to make a splash. And uh, we're going to go into our first round mock draft and give you a couple bonus picks in the second round just so you can kind of extend it into a two-day deal. But uh, we have uh, one mock draft between the, the two of us here at Just Saying Sports. The way that we will go through it is we are going to each make a pick and rotate back and forth. Uh, so we have one long list of a mock draft that we have – basically kind of agreed on, (laughs) but you guys will find out uh, here in a little while who we think should go where, uh, why they should go there, and just a little bit about each one of these players. But before we get into that, I want to talk about a couple of these top teams who have had issues over the last few years. I mean, Arizona, they they have some of the best offensive weapons, and David Johnson, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's getting old, but they still have John, they still have, they still have some people who are able to make plays, but they had such a terrible season. Josh Rosen, uh, their quarterback that they drafted, I believe it was 10th overall last year. Uh, they gave him a chance, and a lot of people are talking about um, a switch. Um, what, what's another team at the top that has had some issues that you think really needs to make a splash in this draft so they can get out of this top 10? I think it's San Francisco going to pick number two. You look at their recent years and free agency, they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo. They made some changes to the defense, and they really are looking for an impact player at that number two spot. And if they hit good, they could avoid top picking in the top ten again next year. Yeah, and there's a couple other teams who I think can make a pretty big splash here. I think the biggest one would obviously be Oakland. I mean, John Gruden basically acquired a bunch, and I mean a bunch, of first-round picks for Khalil Mack. They got three in the first round, one from Chicago, one from Dallas, and their own, which is sitting at four. Um if John Gruden does this right, Oakland can make a quick turnaround, and I think that's what he's looking for. Uh, he needs to fill in some pretty, uh, you know, some pretty glaring air, uh, spots, especially after Khalil Mack left. Uh, so we're going to definitely get into that. The only other team that has multiple picks in the first round is the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they sit at number 12 with their own pick, but scooped up the number 30 pick from New Orleans. So they got a couple with a potential to try and move up and scoop a couple guys. Um, I think they're both looking – Offense and defense, but where they are, it might not work out. I mean, what do you think between Oakland and Green Bay? Who do you think has a better chance of really pulling talent out of the first round? I think it's Green Bay. And honestly, that's just because of where their team is right now. They are in a position to pick more. Um, They're not really looking for a ton of picks for positions of needs. They address a lot of it in free agency. So they're able to go find – impact players they are not looking to build any position groups up essentially or they have less of those positions than Oakland they have to worry about so Green Bay sitting there at number 12 and number 30 
that can go get instant impact guys that other teams might not be willing to take because they have to shore up other positions. I think Green Bay has a better team than Oakland, obviously. I think they have more spots where they will find people to fill needs right away in positions where they don't really need a position of need, but they can get an impact player to add to that position depth. And they, they, they might have a new philosophy after, you know, ditching Mike McCarthy. Uh, so I, I do think that if they were able to squeeze it at that number 12 pick, they would try to get him an offensive weapon, but it's going to be tough. And uh, that's because, you know, a lot, a lot of the good guys are going to get stolen out of the draft quite early. Now, yeah. uh, now we're going to go ahead and dive into our mock draft. And, you know, we did this last year, uh, but the, the big thing here is that, you know, these, these, these are picks that we believe each one of these teams should make. Uh, you know, with the way that the draft works with trades and, you know, just people reaching, a lot of times what happens is one or two guys will get taken way too high and one or two guys are going to get taken way too low. So I have one question for each one of those, Sean. Who do you think is going to get stretched on and who do you think is going to fall who shouldn't? I think the obvious answer for who's going to get stretched on is Kyler Murray. And I, think, I guess we're going to ruin your first pick in the, in the mock draft of him going number one to Arizona. He is the second or third best quarterback. He really is only getting drafted at one because it's going to fit what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do with Arizona. I'll let you elaborate more on that when you get to that pick. But the guy that I think is going to get taken way too low is probably going to be, to me, Christian Wilkins. He's the guy that for Clemson, he was a top 10 in a lot of people's boards before last season started for Clemson. And he's kind of fallen down. Not really sure why. He's a character guy. He's a great leader on Clemson and he's right now a lot of mock drafts have him sitting in the 20s somewhere I think that he's the guy that might be make more of an impact than a 20th overall pick might uh, at any other draft all righty so without further ado let's dive into just say in sports 2019 NFL final version of our mock draft Sean has been diving in since about the beginning of February and really analyzing this stuff. And uh, I know he's excited for this. I mean, how many mock drafts do you think you did? I think on our file here, I have about seven different permeations, starting from the last day of the college football season when Clemson beat Alabama, stretching to I have one done today um, before we did our group, our joint mock draft. So I've got a lot of different scenarios in my mind played out, and uh, we'll see what happens this year. Of course. Now, there, there may be a little bit of argument between me and Sean, so you're going to have to bear with us, but there is, uh, there's plenty of work to get done, so we're not going to put it off any longer. And uh, we're going to go in order from 1 to 31, just like the regular picks would. And as Sean kind of hinted to, uh, I'm, I'm going to start at pick number one with this draft, which is the Arizona Cardinals. And I do think, you know, rumors everywhere are saying that Kyler Murray is going to be the number one overall pick. He chose football over baseball. And like you said, I don't think he's the best quarterback in this draft. I think Dwayne Haskins is probably the best pro-style quarterback, especially with his size um, that'll be able to translate into the NFL. And I think that's Kyler Murray's big downfall is his size. Yeah, he's mobile. Yeah, he has accurate, uh, an accurate arm. He has got a pretty powerful arm. I don't know if he quite has NFL um, distance, but he, can, he is good and accurate downfield. Uh, but I don't like the pick because I don't think he's the best quarterback. And I, am, I still think that they should give Josh Rosen a chance. If you remember our draft from last year, 
I don't think Josh Rosen was ever going to be the greatest quarterback, but I also don't think that you can toss a guy into the fire like that and then just disregard a 10th overall pick. Um, you know, they may end up, if they do take Kyler Murray, they made up tra- may end up trading Josh Rosen for a higher pick um, in the second or in the end of the late first round, or maybe get a couple late round picks for Josh Rosen. Um, but I think they go Kyler Murray and you kind of mentioned it because of Cliff Kingsbury. He knows Kyler Murray. He's known him for years. He's worked with him before. And, you know, he's a brand new coach at Arizona. He doesn't make the decisions, but I would have to say that if you want to make a coach's system work with your new team and actually get out of uh, the worst team in the NFL, you're probably going to give your coach what he wants. And I'm going to say he goes with Kyler Murray. Yeah. And just because it's the first overall pick, um, that's the number one pick. I'll talk a little bit more on that as well. Like you mentioned, Kyler Murray's only here because Cliff Cliff Kingsbury is the coach. They hired a new coach. They're going to give him everything that he thinks he needs to succeed if they're going to go this route. So they're going to take Kyler Murray. I think that if they want to get as much back for Josh Rosen as they should with him being the 10th overall pick, they need to trade him before the draft. Once that draft starts, I think that the Cardinals then become desperate and teams know that, and they're going to get not as much as they want back for him. So they need to find a – a landing spot for him, preferably before the draft starts. So I'm going to just take over. Next pick, uh, San Francisco. I have Nick Bosa coming off the board here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. He's arguably the best player on the board. And with Arizona going Kyler Murray, San Francisco is just going to take the presumed number one overall pick up until a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. So they're going Nick Bosa too. All right. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Nick Bosa, I mean, if you see what his brother has been able to do, you're only going to hope that you can translate as well. And, hey, man, two Bosa brothers out there in Cali, I'm sure they would love it. Yeah. All right, number three pick, the New York Jets, who just scooped up Le'Veon Bell. I, you know, they, they are in need of a, another lineman, an interior and offensive lineman, and probably a couple other offensive weapons. But I think they're going to go to the defensive side of the ball and take Ed Oliver. He may not be the highest-rated defensive tackle, but I actually think that he is the most um, not only seasoned but disruptive I mean, he had 54 tackles for loss in three years at Houston, um, including six forced fumbles and 14 and a half sacks. That's a pretty high number comparatively to almost anybody else in this draft. He's got the experience. He's got the size. I mean, he's 287, six foot two, and uh, he runs a 47340, which is about average for a defensive lineman. He has, uh, he has the skills, and I think he is the best defensive tackle in this draft. All right, moving on to number four for Oakland. I have them taking Josh Allen, the defensive end for the University of Kentucky. I think this is an easy pick for them if Josh Allen's still on the board at four. You try to find that impact pass rusher that to replace Khalil Mack. I and mean, this is what they traded their picks for, was to get a guy in the first round of this year's draft at a lower cap number, which is what they're going to do with this pick. I think that they've set themselves up to where they need to pick an edge rusher in this draft, no matter what position. I think having the second best edge rusher on the board at four and Josh Allen to them is a kind of a no brainer. Of course. Now the people now for number, uh, number five with Tampa Bay, I think uh, they go with who they believe is actually the best person on the board left. Um, and somebody that they could use. I think that they go with Quinn and Williams from Bama. He won the outland trophy this year as the nation's best interior lineman. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that you know is going to play inside he had 26 tackles for loss and 10 sacks last year alone. Um, you know, obviously that Bama defense was fantastic. He does, he's not quite as explosive as Ed Oliver. He doesn't have as much uh, speed. That's why I put Ed Oliver above him. 
Uh, but Quinnen Williams is he's bigger. He's over three hundred pounds, six foot three. Um, I think that Tampa Bay really is going to start shoring up that defense because they've had some pretty good guys, but it just has never, you know, with William Golson on the outside for a few years, it looked like they might have a good defensive line, but they need somebody else on the inside. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to number six, the New York Giants. This is a pick that I think is what they should do. They probably won't do it. Um, I think it's a Dwayne Haskins, quarterback at OSU. I don't know why the Giants wouldn't make this pick if Haskins is sitting there the whole Eli saga in New York, you know, we, there's a lot going on that people probably don't know about. I think quarterback is the need the Giants have in the very near future. And you're not going to get a chance to take, like we mentioned, arguably the number one overall quarterback on the draft at six at any other year. So I think they should pounce on that opportunity and take him at six. Do they do it? Probably not. It's the Giants. They're having a little bit of rough go lately. Uh, GM ownership not really on the same path for what's good for the Giants. So, but right now I have Dwayne Haskins going there at six. I actually agree. And I know you say that they're, you don't think they're going to do it, but to be honest with you, I almost think that's one of the more for sure picks in the top 10. If Dwayne Haskins doesn't get scooped up by Arizona or even, and I know nobody's really looking at it, but even, even like uh, the New York jets um, thinking about doing something, you know, over the next few years, trying to get that offense on track. I think the Giants need a quarterback. Eli's on his way out. He has not really performed. Obviously, he's been able to do things, but if he, I, you need somebody to come in and be able to learn underneath Eli while Eli still has the skills. All right, Jacksonville, the next pick. Once again, I'm going to take somebody who may not be the highest-rated person um, or at their position, but Juwan Taylor from the University of Florida. He's an offensive tackle. And uh, staying in his home state, they, they, they're going to need uh, someone new to kind of help out their running game, help out their passing game. And especially, he, he plays a lot of right tackle. So he, he's going he's gonna to be relied on for big-time runs. The only thing is, is he's, not, uh, you know, he's not technical. He's just big, strong, and is one of the best run blockers in the class. I think that that's what they want, especially having Leonard Fournette kind of beat up. But even if they still had a good running game last year with TJ Yeldon and everything, they're just trying to boost that up. Yeah, number eight for the Detroit Lions. I'm going to go with Montez Sweat, the edge rusher from Mississippi State, formerly of Michigan State. I think this pick comes down to do they take Montez Sweat or TJ Hawkinson? Um, Those are the only two players I think fit the Lions at eight. There's no other positions of need for them of a player that sits up this high on the board. Um, but I, oh my God, I think the city of Detroit will burn if they pick a tight end in the top. If they go TJ Hawkinson, people will lose their mind just because the wounds of Eric Ebron are still so open and recent. So I think that's why they end up going Montez Sweat on the edge. Pair him with Trey Flowers. You got snacks inside, developing the linebacking core. Um, I think they're going to have to address the secondary. And shoring up the beginning or the front four makes those problems in the back a lot easier to take care of in free agency. I think that's why they're going to take an edge right now. Yeah, and, and I, I would say I think that Detroit's biggest need is in the defensive backfield. But there is no nobody in this draft in the defensive backfield worth a top 10 pick. No, nobody at eight is there at cornerback or safety that's worth that pick. And I think that you take the best value player for a position – 
of semi-need at edge rusher, and that's Montez Sweat. I would say, I would say the same, uh, but th- you have to watch for this pick because I do think that the Detroit Lions might try to trade down. Yes. All righty. Up next after the Detroit Lions is the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, a second-year quarterback, is really starting to come into his own. They got LaShawn McCoy, uh, but they still kind of had some scoring issues last year, and I think they're going to try to shore that up. Um, you know, we were just talking about TJ Hawkinson to Detroit. Uh, if he doesn't go before Buffalo gets to him, I think that they take TJ Hawkinson. I mean, he, he was a fantastic tight end. Um, you know, he uh, was the Big Ten tight end of the year, uh, had over 1,000 yards um, in his career at Iowa. I mean, he's highly regarded as probably the best um, blocking tight end. He's got um, an all-around skill set. A lot of people have been trying to compare him to Gronk. I don't know if I see that um, much, especially because there's another tight end from Iowa who, um, you know, receiving-wise is better than Hawkinson or was in college. Um, but, I, I, you know, Hawkinson, I think, is definitely the best tight end in this draft. And I think they're going to try and find another weapon to add to that Buffalo offense. And a tight end is something that they've used over the years. They've had a Charles Clay. They've had people who can make a difference. And I think if they have an actual difference maker in that position, they would be more than happy to take TJ Hawkinson um, right there at the end of the uh, top 10 almost. Yeah, finishing out the top 10 is the Denver Broncos. I think that if this player is here at this position, the Denver Broncos take him regardless of what they've done in free agency season. And that's Drew Locke, the quarterback from Missouri. I've listened to some shows, read some stuff that Denver absolutely loves Drew Locke, and they're not afraid that people know it. Um, They want him, and they're not afraid to show their hand. So if Drew Locke is sitting there at 10, I think Denver pulls the trigger quickly on that. Well, yeah, and I mean, there's only a couple other quarterbacks who would go before, and I don't see him, you know, I don't see him stealing Arizona's spot. And if I, I think Dwayne Haskins has to go before Drew Locke in this draft, yeah. if it, you know, so I think Denver is probably pr- sitting pretty there. I actually agree with you on, on that pick. So, and everybody keep in mind that this mock draft is barring no trades. A team could yes. jump up and find Denver for him, but it just as it sits right now, no trades. Drew Locke 10 to Denver is a strong possibility. All righty, number 11, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I think. They, they go back to defense, and even though I, I, I don't quite – I don't know if he should be this rated highly. I don't know if it's me just not liking Devin Bush, but the linebacker from Michigan, I have him going number 11 to Cincinnati. You know, after Vontez Burfitt and all that stuff goes down, um, they, they need a guy. And Devin Bush, I think, is probably the top-rated linebacker in this draft. Played three years at Michigan on one of the best defenses in the country. Um, you know, he was a Dick Butkus Award finalist. First team all Big Ten, and um, he was a defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. So, um, you know, that says a lot, especially when you were facing Dwayne Haskins and a lot of these guys. I mean, I know uh, he's been hyped since he came in. He was a four-star recruit when he came into Michigan. Um, And I think, you know, him him going number 11 isn't that much of a stretch. You see, I disagree with you on Devin Bush being the best linebacker in the draft, and that's going to roll perfectly into my next pick at 12 for Green Bay. I have Devin White going at linebacker for LSU. I think Devin White's a more physical, better-sized linebacker for an every-down linebacker in the NFL. I think that he will probably go ahead of Devin Bush on draft day, but because of the way this mock played out, he's sitting there at 12 to Green Bay. I think Green Bay would love to have him. You know, They're looking to kind of 
move on from their core. You know, they had Charles Matthews or not Charles Matthews, Clay Matthews. And then you move on to Nick Perry and they're trying to get younger on the front. They've got a lot. They've went out and signed two of their outside linebackers for their three, four. And now adding Devin white puts that linebacker or that quarterback right in the middle of the defense. You know how much I love linebackers, Jake. Oh, I do. Devin white, Devin white might, he might crack my top five linebacker rankings for next season. Well, they, they, he's had comparisons to Jared Davis, who we're familiar with. He was with the Lions. Yes. Um, Roquan Smith. I, I mean, he's a relentless type of guy. I'm, he, he's not just going to get blocked and stick around. This guy is going to use his hands, use his feet, and do everything he can. And, and hey, he's, he's good in coverage as well. Yeah. He's, I think that's what is going to push him up ahead of Devin Bush. Yes. But Devin Bush to- is going to play. Devin Bush is probably going to play like a Mike linebacker in yeah. the NFL where he, all he's, gonna, he's not going to be doing much. He might. He might get one-on-one matchups with some tight ends once in a while, um, but normally he'll just be playing that cover two middle zone um, if he's in coverage, and that, that, that isn't too far out of his game. No, I don't think so. So we might disagree on linebackers, but we have them going back-to-back. At yeah, so maybe, maybe flip-flop. Do you think Devin White might go to Cincinnati? Yeah, then? If, if I did this by myself, I would have them flip-flopped. Or if you know what, honestly, I'd have Devin White going to Tampa Bay at five if I did this by myself, but – um, the way the board worked out today, he's going 12 to Green Bay, and I think that that would be outstanding for Green Bay if he's still there at 12. All righty. Next, down to Miami. Had a middling season last year. Um, just got a new quarterback. Uh, they're they're going to have a little bit, uh, little bit of an exciting season ahead of them, it seems. And I think that's the thing is they're going to try and protect that guy and uh, grab who most people think is the highest rated um, offensive tackle and Jonah Williams from Alabama. We know what their offensive line was like. We've all seen Jonah Williams play. He is a big guy. He's six foot four, three oh two. Um, you know, it's it, it's a Bama lineman. I don't think Miami really thinks it's a risk to take somebody like that. No, I agree with you. Um, Fourteen, the Atlanta Falcons. A problem for Atlanta that has existed the past couple years is trying to find an interior defensive lineman for their defense. And even though he's not going to start the year, he's on the Torres ACL. I think Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle from Mississippi State, gets here picked on the potential that he showed at Mississippi State. He had a great year for Mississippi State. It's unfortunate he got hurt before the combine, but I think that his potential and what he showed is going to get him to Atlanta at 14. All right, number 15, the Washington Redskins dead in the middle of the first round. Um, they've had some issues on offense. Obviously, Alex Smith went down last year. Everything kind of took a backseat after that. But I, I, I think their biggest position of need is wide receiver. I, only, I, I think they would trade down from the spot, but we didn't do it. But this is why I put him here. I think this is too high of a pick for him uh, because I still don't quite know um, if he's going to turn, but DK Metcalf from Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the pictures. This guy is a, uh, he looks uh, like the Baylor Sean Oakman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy is huge. 6'3", 228 for a wide receiver. I mean, you're talking about a wide receiver one who's going to play up and above everybody else. He is like the largest wide receiver in this draft, except for Hakeem Butler from Iowa State, who's uh, over six foot five. But, I mean, D.K. Metcalf has the athletic ability to get downfield, has the jumping ability, and uh, he's fast. He ran a 4-3-3 three, three 
40. Uh, that, that, that's a pretty fast, uh, a pretty fast one. And uh, I, I think he's the best wide receiver in this draft. I really don't think a wide receiver is going to go in the top 15, but like we said, we're doing it without drafts. I think Washington's going to go with that pick. Yeah, the only thing I can see Washington deviating from is if they go quarterback and Daniel Jones is kind of a development guy since Alex Smith is injured. But I, I personally don't believe Daniel Jones deserves to go this high. So DK Metcalf kind of fits in there. Washington's really lacked a number one wide receiver in years. Jamison Crowder comes to mind. Who is their one recently? Not really a one guy. So DK Metcalf kind of solidifies that wide receiver group for whoever they end up putting at quarterback, giving them kind of a go-to guy. Um, moving on to 16 for Carolina. Off the heels of uh, uh, not Jabril Peppers, Julius Peppers retiring, I think they go the best edge rusher available to try and make up for as much of the Hall of Fame lever as poss- leaving as possible. And that's Brian Burns from Florida State. I think that he is going to be He's an undersized defensive end, but he makes it work for his size. He's very productive at Florida State. I think that Carolina would love to fit a guy in there and not have to worry about defensive end as much as I thought they were going to have to with the retirement of Peppers. Well, I'm just realizing that we kind of left the team off when we talked about multiple first-round picks. The Giants also have multiple first-round picks. Yes, they do. Um, I forgot yeah, about that. We the, did. O- and, the Odell and, trade. Yes, exactly. And that, that just happened. Um, they just stole that Cleveland pick. I think that's why I wasn't quite prepared for it. Uh, but I do remember uh, when we were doing this, I thought, you know, if they're going to pick up somebody like Dwayne Haskins they're go- and they have Saquon Barkley, they're going to need somebody big on the outside, especially, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins isn't the most mobile guy. Um, you know, he, he has some issues with his feet. He's a big guy. He's, he's going to sit in the pocket a lot of the times in the NFL, and they're going to need a blindside uh, tackle. And uh, who, who a lot of people put up there at the top, uh, Andre Dillard from Washington State. He's a redshirt senior, played four years, all at left tackle, um, started every game at Washington State that he, uh, he suited up for, except for one in his redshirt season. Uh, so, um, you know, overall, he's a better pass protector than a rush protector, and I think that's what they're going to look for if they, uh, you know, if they go with uh, Dwayne Haskins at the beginning. They're going to want a good pass protector because they know Saquon Barkley can make plays. They're going to need somebody who's able to make that. So I'm going with uh, – with Andre Dillard from Washington State at number 17. Yeah, you just nailed it right on the head. Saquon Barkley proved that he can make it work without great offensive line play last year. So picking a pass protection first tackle to protect their future investment in a quarterback should be priority. Saquon Barkley can do it on his own. He proved it. I think that he'll be fine there. Um, Moving to number 18 with Minnesota Vikings, I'm having them taking Cody, Cody Ford, a tackle from the University of Oklahoma, where he protected Kyler Murray last year. I think that they need to protect their investment in Kirk Cousins. They gave him that giant deal. They need to make sure that he stays upright while also trying to get Delvin Cook some running room to try and get him to take as minimum hard hits as possible at the line of scrimmage. Cody Ford is a nice little uh, road grader there to protect both quarterback and running back. Yeah, and you can play tackle or guard. He played both. Um, in college, he kind of flipped back and forth. I mean, he ended up as a tackle, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he could move inside if he had to. And uh, that's the other thing is Kirk Cousins definitely works the best when he has time. Yeah. Kirk Cousins in the if, – if Kirk Cousins can sit in the pocket, he can pick apart a defense. But if he's rushed, that's when he starts making mistakes. So I think you're right on that. All righty, number 19, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, 
they've had some, you know, had some big names come off the board in the last few years, and some of them are starting to pan out. But I, I think that this year they go with the edge rusher from Clemson, Klein and Farrell. Uh, he was a four-star defensive end recruit out of high school. The guy has done nothing but produce in his time at Clemson. Uh, played three years. He was first-team All-American, uh, you know, at least, I believe, twice. First-team All-ACC twice. Uh, and he, he had 27 sacks in his career at, at, uh, at Clemson. He's a very, very speedy guy. He's got big, long arms, um, but he's very, very strong. You know, his mix of power handwork and recognition skills should be able to, uh, you know, really, really, really tear apart some offensive lines. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He's probably one of the, along with Christian Wilkins, who we mentioned earlier, really was thought of as a top 10 pick before the season started at Clemson. Um, some other guys have kind of jumped in front of him. And so that was why he's down here at 19. Moving to 20, my Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm Lions free. I'm a Pittsburgh fan now. <laughs> um, if this works out for Pittsburgh the way it did in this mock draft, I think that they would sprint to the podium with the ticket before anybody could say anything. And that's Greedy Williams, cornerback LSU. Pittsburgh's had troubles with their secondary for multiple years now, trying to get guys to figure it out. Um, they took uh, Edmonds last year, the safety from Virginia Tech. His development was not as fast as they hoped. Greedy Williams stepping in at quarter, trying to fix the Artie Burns situation. Um, Joe Hayden's not getting any younger. Adding that defensive backfield, I think, is Pittsburgh's priority in this draft. Even though they lost Antonio Brown, um, Hall of Fame wide receiver, right now I think that cornerback and trying to keep teams out of the end zone and letting Ben create more on offense should be a priority. All right. Number 21, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I think they go onto the defensive line, and me and you kind of talked about this guy before we did our mock, and uh, Michigan's Rashawn Gary. He played edge all throughout college. He's got some speed, but he's got a, an odd mix of power. Um, a lot of people say that he really didn't develop too much since he started at Michigan. Um, basically, he's about the same since he, he got there. His numbers didn't change very much. They actually got worse um, in his final season, but he did not play the final season, all the final season due to injury. Um, the, the big question is, is, is he going to be an inside rusher or an outside rusher? I think he translates better to a defensive tackle in the NFL, and that, I think that's an area of need for the Seattle Seahawks. They need interior defensive linemen. Um, you know, they've had a couple issues with injuries. They had Malik McDowell go down a year or two ago. Yeah, um, I was about uh, to say that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and they're, they're really looking for somebody to shore that up. I mean, obviously, Rashawn Gary is a high-risk, high-reward guy. He has been injured, and uh, it, it could, you know, not work out. But I think he's slipped far enough into the first round down past 20 that Seattle's definitely willing to take a flyer on Rashawn Gary. Yeah, and it's – I want to make, make mention of this for people who know us and listen to this. Rashawn Gary's not this low on our draft because he's from Michigan. Neither one of us just really buy a lot of his um, – his tape or his production he's put on the field at Michigan to warrant being taken in the top 10. Like a lot of people think, I think that he's just not that guy. And a lot of people like he was at Michigan. It's a lot of based on potential, but they need the coaching staff to get it out of them. And I think that in Seattle with Pete Carroll, would be yes. the best possible situation with him. 
Pete Carroll's got a history of getting the most out of guys, and I think that Rashawn Gary would be in a very good situation, even though he's from Michigan. No, that's the other thing is the, the, I think the biggest issue is that, you know, he was an edge rusher all through college and he's not going to translate to that in the NFL. No, he's too big. He's fast yeah. enough to play on the edge, but he's he's got to be on the inside of his size. Exactly. And man, if you can join a defensive uh, a defensive coordinator like uh, Wade Phillips, is that who's out there now? Uh, I think Wade Phillips is. Still in Denver? I don't know where Wade Phillips no, I'm pretty, is. I think, we, I, I, I think Wade Phillips is in Seattle. Um, but either way, that defense has a history of being stout. Think about what he was just doing with the Michigan defense. He was, I believe, top three in the country the last few years. Um, I, I think he would fit well in Seattle. All right, moving on to 22, Baltimore. I have them taking A.J. Brown, wide receiver, Ole Miss, the running mate with D.K. Metcalf. I have him go in there because they need to surround Lamar Jackson and his playmaking ability with as much weapons as possible. A.J. Brown fits that role, and I don't really think there's any much much else to talk about with that. They need to get playmakers out there. A.J. Brown's the best wide receiver on the board to me at this point. Running back is not worth taking this high. They just, um, they've proved that they could do a lot with running back with lesser guys last year. I think that wide receiver should be a big point of emphasis for Baltimore, and A.J. Brown fits that role. Add another Brown to their wide receiving core, huh? Exactly. Now, I, the one thing about A.J. Brown is that he is small. He is going to play a lot of slot and weak side wide receiver. That's what they're going to need. Um, so I, I like the pick, but I, I once again, I don't think that – I don't. I think that there might only be one wide receiver taken in the first round. We'll see. All right, number 23, the Houston Texans. You know, they've been just adding people to this team – Adding people to this team. I think Houston's one of those teams that could be scary um, in the next year or two, uh, especially with Deshaun Watson and uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is still there. J.J. Watt's going to be healthy. Yeah. And uh, I think they add another uh, defensive backfield uh, playmaker in Byron Murphy. Um, I've seen him rated as the best cornerback in this draft, like we talked about. This is somebody I think the Lions would like to get um, if they could trade down and get down and get to Byron Murphy. Um, it's a Lions, if Lions trade down into the teens or the early 20s, Byron Murphy would be their priority. Exactly. And that, that, that's, that's one thing is I think he slips down here purely because there isn't the, the, the highest talent. There's only a couple guys even rated towards the first round. But uh, Byron Murphy's from Washington. He uh, had 74 tackles in his career, seven interceptions. He, uh, he missed a, a bunch of the middle of the season um, in 2017 due to injury, but he came back to be a second-team All-American, first-team All-Pac-12, and uh, was actually the Pac-12 championship MVP. Uh, So you know he's going to show up in big games, and he doesn't shy away on the stage. I think Byron Murphy would be a pretty good pick down at 23. All right, number 24, we are at the second of of three picks for the Oakland Raiders. I have them going Noah Fant, tight end from Iowa. Like you mentioned before, talking about TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. No, um, Fant is arguably a better pass catcher, a better route runner than Hawkinson. Hawkinson provides a lot more in the blocking department than Fant, which is why he is higher. But I think that when you look at it, the Oakland Raiders, they have to replace Jared Cook. He is no longer with them. They need a oh, tight end number one. Noah Fant, as you know, Gruden likes, likes his offense. So 
getting the guy to fit that offense is going to be a priority for Oakland at the tight end position. Well, and think about who they have now. They have Antonio Brown. They have Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson's still on contract, right? I do. I think he retired, but I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm not sure either. Okay, but still, Noah Fant is the better offensive tight end between him and Hawkinson. It, there's almost no doubt about it. He led the nation in yards per reception and receiving touchdowns by a tight end last year. Um, Hawkinson ran just about the exact same amount of routes. Uh, he's got good hands. I think Fant is a great pick down at 24, especially for um, trying to fill in with that. that. That's the pick that they got from Chicago. Um, yes. I, think that, I think that's somebody that they could see being on their team for at least five or six years and making productive difference that would be make that Khalil track Mac pick or trade a little bit more worth it. So let's just a quick sidebar. How, if you're Oakland, how upset are you that you trade Khalil Mack to Chicago? Chicago is supposed to be a rebuilding team. The pick you get back in the first round is 24 overall. It stinks, but honest to God, if they can get fans, I don't think they mind. But I don't think they might Oakland, either. Oakland also, you, you, obviously, we've seen they're not scared of making moves. They can do a lot with three first-round picks. A lot. More than, and more than any team in the draft, and that's just from saying they have three first-round picks. They, they can literally, they can three give up, guys. Yeah. They can give up one of those and, and chime in another three picks. Exactly. Oakland is in a very good position going into this draft. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I think it's what Gruden wanted. I mean, I would have kept Cleo Mack, but – Hey, it, it, we'll, we'll see if this works out, right? Yep. All righty, number 25, the Philadelphia Eagles. A uh, couple years away from the Super Bowl now. Uh, they had one glaring issue besides Carson Wentz keep getting injured, uh, and that was at running back. I mean, they probably had the worst backfield in the NFL last year. I don't think any guy got more than seven carries in a game for the last 10 weeks. They had five people doing whatever because nobody was able to produce um, I think with them sitting down at 24, they think most of the, you know, the high talent or the guys that really fill their other needs at safety or, you know, tackle or even an edge rusher, they're going to be gone. Um, and the only person who they're going to look at is a running back. And, you know, I, I still don't quite get it. I haven't seen enough of Josh Jacobs. Um, I'm, he's, he's the highest rated t- uh, running back in the draft by almost everybody I've read. Um, which is funny because the guy below him is Damian Harris, who actually started over him at Alabama. Um, but the thing about the thing about Josh Jacobs, and especially with the way that Philadelphia likes the running backs, he's very versatile. He can catch the ball. He even returned kicks when he was at Alabama. Um, you know, he's got quick, explosive feet, and he can get out of the backfield in a hurry, um, especially on routes. Um, I think that's what they like. You've seen them do Darren Sproles. Um, you know, Jay Ajayi can be their power back, so they're going to want more of a versatile guy. I think they go with Josh Jacobs from Alabama. All right, moving on to 26, my now hometown Indianapolis Colts. Not my team, but the team in my city. I think they go Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle from Clemson, um, trying to fill in the middle of that defensive line. I think that he fits a need for Indianapolis. There really isn't a wide receiver worth taking here yet at the end of the first round. Not really a safety either, so defensive line is their biggest need. I think they fill it with that pick. All righty. Here comes Oakland's last pick at 27. They acquired that from Dallas um, in the Amari Cooper trade, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, now, this might seem a little crazy. I don't – and I think, I think this is one of the picks that I, I, I don't really like, but something that Gruden might do. 
you know, Derek Carr has, I think, two years left on his contract now. I think he has, three. I, I think he only signed a five, and I think that was in 2016. Okay, so um, yeah, you're right. I think he signed a five in 2016. But anyways, he's got two years left on his deal. And if you ask me, he has not done just about anything for the Oakland Raiders, anything of note. Um, he, he's had a couple good seasons. He's got a lot of passing yards, but he's not a, a mental guy. He's not a brain guy. He's not somebody who's going to win you games. And I think that, you know, Gruden, Gruden's QB camp, I think that he, uh, he thinks I – th- I think that Gruden thinks he needs to bring in a young quarterback in his first year so he can sit down and try to develop somebody for the Oakland Raiders. And since they're all the way down here and they did already, you know, use their earlier picks um, on some, somebody to really actually repay, re- replace Khalil Mack, um, I think they go with uh, the next quarterback off the board, Daniel Jones. I have not seen a lot of film on him. He really, you know, he's not the the best quarterback in this draft. He's a big guy. He's six foot five, so he's got that, you know, he's got that quarterback size for the NFL. Um, he doesn't. He's not, you know, he's not very. He's not very fast. He doesn't uh, move very much. But you know, according to everything I've read, he's a very smart guy. He's a high football IQ type of guy. And I think that's what John Gruden likes the most is when somebody knows exactly what's going to happen on the field. All right. Los Angeles Chargers are on the board next at 28. I have them taking Chris Lindstrom, a offensive lineman. He can play a lot of different positions, tackle guard. There's even been some mention of him playing center from Boston College. I think the Chargers, they had a great year last year. Um, signature win is getting over my Pittsburgh Steelers on that night game I think that protecting Philip Rivers in his later years is something that they need to look at they're not to the point where they need to look for his replacement yet but they need to protect him he's I think Lindstrom kind of shores up that offensive line and really helps them down the road all right next the Kansas City Chiefs seems like they have everything that they need on offense uh, but the, the position that most people forget about is that dead center the one who runs it all, the center. Um, somebody who was All-American this year, first-team All-ACC, coming out of NC State, Garrett Bradbury. He's probably the only straight center or interior lineman that is rated straight first round. Uh, very good guy. I mean, he's he, he, he played some guard in college. Uh, he, he with big defensive tackles, but he's quick. He's got good IQ, and uh, I think that, you know, putting somebody else with Patrick Mahomes, especially a young guy, imagine the rapport that they could, they could start off with. At number 30, Green Bay Packers, I think that they go with Nasir Adderley, the safety from Delaware, doubling up on defense with Devin White earlier in the round. Um, I think that they need to address the safety position. They made a trade late last season. I think that this is kind of their opportunity to go defense finish shoring up that defense and giving Aaron Rodgers a good backbone on that team where he can just attack on offense and not have to worry about outscoring teams by 40 to 30 games and just worry about getting scores when they need them. I think that that helps the Packers in the long run. All righty. I kind of agree. They do need a better defense than they have for years. (laughs) Yeah. Now, next, the L.A. Rams. Uh, You know, this is where – it gets iffy, those guys who are bouncing right between the first and the second round where it's just a tad, uh, you know, it's a tad hard to tell. Um, but I think that they try to put somebody on the other side of Marcus Peters and grab uh, Rakia Sin, 
from Temple, uh, the cornerback. He's, uh, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's only 5'11", not even 200 pounds. And he really doesn't have the best speed, but he's a very physical defender, which, you know, it might be able to get him in trouble downfield with some pass interferences and stuff like that. But if you got somebody like Marcus Peters to try to help you out, I think he's one of those guys. He's shown a lot of development over the last few years. He actually wasn't – he transferred to Temple, if I'm, mis- if I'm not mistaken, after his se- uh, sophomore year and um, – uh, or after his junior year, and really, when he got new coaches, he really started to look better. Um, and I think that'll what'll translate in NFL. You know, these are good coaches. These are guys who can develop. And uh, you're looking at that late first round pick. Uh, sometimes they turn out to be superstars. Yeah, they definitely do. Last pick of the first round, we have the New England Patriots, your Super Bowl champions from last season. I have them going with DeAndre Baker, cornerback of Georgia. Uh, to put on the other side of Stefan Gilmore. I think that he, is, he was a guy who was rated in the low teens to the late, early 20s when the process started. Some things have kind of played out where now he's a borderline first-round pick. But I think New England tries to do what they always do, just find the next guy to fit their system. And they really right now need another corner, in my opinion. And I think that DeAndre Baker – not the biggest, not the fastest, not the strongest, but he's a very sound player. And I think that he fits what New England wants. And I think they take him at 32. All right. So that does it for our first round. But the Just Saying Sports guys have a couple extra picks for you. Obviously, um, you know, Arizona has another pick coming up right there in the beginning of the second round. They need some, sh- they need some more people. I think they go to the defensive side of the ball after wasting a pick on Kyler Murray and grab uh, the other uh, defensive lineman from Clemson who uh, was, was pretty highly rated, but interiorly, uh, Dexter Williams. Arizona needs somebody like that on the inside, and I think that's how they try to shore it up if they actually don't you know, try to move up to get somebody better with a different pick. Yeah, Kim Dietrich hasn't really worked out for Arizona the way that they wanted them to. I think Dexter Williams really fills that need that they have. And the last pick that we're going to cover, Indianapolis Colts. At 34 overall, I think that they go with their next biggest need, in my opinion, and that is Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver from Arizona State. We got to see him in person, the MSU-ASU game. He is a beast. You know, he took care of Justin Lane. He kind of neutralized that coverage. I think that he is a big guy. A lot of people were comparing him to Julio Jones at the beginning of the season. That's kind of died off, but he's still a very good wide receiver, and I think that he will end up going 34 overall to the Colts. I might get to see him in person a little bit later this year if this happens. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Well, I mean, Nikhil Harry, he's, he's just about six foot, but he weighs 228 pounds. He's the only person. Dude. He's the only person even close to DK Metcalf um, in weight, at least. I mean, he, he ran a four five three forty, which doesn't have the most speed, but he's got jumping ability. We, I mean, we've seen his hands, you know, you can catch a ball almost anywhere. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a pretty good one, too. Andrew Luck's going to need another weapon. You don't think that T.Y. Hilton. That's, yeah, T.Y. Hilton yep, can't that's do my, That's my main reasoning for wide receiver here at this pick. They need somebody besides uh, T.Y. Hilton. And Eric Ebron. You know, lit- I mean, Eric Ebron yeah. did a lot for them last year, but that's, that's the big thing is why is Eric Ebron, like, your guy? Exactly. And living here in Indianapolis, you know, I get a lot of the local coverage – who was the number two wide receiver last year? Was it Chester Rogers? 
No, um, Dante Moncrief, uh, I believe. Dot, no, exactly. Nobody or, knows or, who or, it was. Or did Dante Moncrief might have went to Jacksonville last year. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Never mind. So, <laughs> so nobody, nobody knows who the number two guy is in Indianapolis. And I think if you add Nikhil Harry, and you're going to get a guy who a lot of people have forgotten about at this point, and Deion Kane from Clemson. You know, he got hurt in the preseason and missed the whole year. You add him back with T.Y. Hilton, Nikhil Harry, Deion Kane. That is a very formidable wide receiver group coming at you, which is something that Indianapolis has really lacked in the Andrew Luck era. I think Indianapolis, if they had the Nikhil Harry sitting there at 34, they should pull the trigger immediately. It changes that offense completely. Okay. Sean. Another mock draft in the books. This is your final mock draft. Am I right? Or are you going to do one later in the week? Uh, I might do one before on Wednesday. I might share it with you. I might tweet it out on our Twitter page at Just Saying Sport. No S, just saying Sport, S-P-O-R-T. I might tweet it out um, if I feel confident in it before the draft starts on Thursday. Yeah. Um, I know I probably won't be doing another mock. There's, there's a lot going on in this next week. But I'm excited for the draft, personally. All right. So, as Sean said, make sure you follow us on Twitter for any of those updates throughout the week. If there's anything else that we feel is pertinent to the draft, I mean, it, it always seemed like something crazy comes out a few days before that's going to really either harm or boost somebody's draft stock. Um, I can't remember the one guy. Uh, <laughs> Latell, what was his name? Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil. Smoking out of a gas mask the day of the bong or the day of the, <laughs> the day of the draft. Yeah, I'd smoking out of a gas mask bong the day of the draft. What a dummy. Um, that's when it gets released. So we don't really know how it happens, but it's still it's still all in good fun. Um, this is where teams make or break their season. It may not be this season, but we're talking two, three years down the road as we started off with. This is the NFL draft is probably the, the biggest deal out of the drafts, if you ask me. Out of, and uh, NBA is a big one. Um, just because there's not a lot of guys. But the NFL draft, those first couple rounds really do make a difference. You're not going to find Tom Brady's in the seventh round very often. You know, you're not going to find those sixth-round steals um, who really turn out. There's only so much that could translate to the NFL, and I think that, um, you know, this is a big day on Thursday. Yeah, when you talk about drafts, you know, the MLB draft goes on forever. A lot of guys make it out of there. A lot of guys in the first round don't pan out. When you look at the NFL draft, you know, it's a very good draft process. Guys either make it or they don't, and you can get a guy in the seventh round, which is a steal. In the NBA, you only got two rounds. And now in the NHL, it goes on forever like MLB, and you don't, you're not really sure what you're going to get. So I think the NFL draft really is the best draft to cover, and, and I think we did a very good job of doing it today. And it's always exciting. So no matter who your team is or who they pick, best of luck to you and yours at the NFL draft. I know I'm just rooting for the Lions not to make a terrible decision because that's always what happens. Go Steelers. <laughs> it always what happens. I mean, I'm not, you know I'm not the most invested Lions fan, but it's just I got my Detroit pride in me. And, exactly. uh, no, and I feel the same way. <laughs> I got my Detroit pride in me, and I just I, I hate to see them suck as bad as they've sucked forever. So without further ado, make sure you follow me on Twitter at jcampf. Follow Sean on Twitter at DwyerSE3. Uh, thank you for listening. Listen, subscribe, share this with your friends. We got more coming up over the next few weeks, and the summer is about to kick into full swing. So join us for all of that goodness. Um, thank you for listening. I'm Jake Atnip. I'm Sean Dwyer. And we'll see you after the draft.